Hi guys, this is Jackie Cooper with J. Cooper Travels and today I have a really special guest on. We're going to be talking a lot about um, technology, a lot about automation and how all of that can be integrated into our businesses and why it's really important to us. Um, for those that are just new to following my podcast, J. Cooper Travels, it's sort of um, a combination of a lot of different things. It talks about my journey in the travel space and individuals who are traveling around the world, but it also talks about my journey and other people's journeys and stories in their own careers, in their own life journeys. And so you know, when you go on to J. Cooper Travels, you'll find on the podcast a variety of individuals from the finance area to the technology area to the travel area. And we are all talking in different ways about our personal journeys, as well as some of the wonderful locations around our world that we have visited and where you can go and also visit and have a wonderful time. Um, today, I have um, uh, a, an individual who is experienced in business. He has um, a, a, a remarkable story. And um, Brett is, uh, Brett Frazier is um, Chief Operations Officer of um a major company located in the Florida area. Brett, thank you so much for being here today. I really um, value your time and also your um, your knowledge. I mean, it's just uh, when everyone learns more about your story, I think that they're going to um, really appreciate all the wisdom that you're going to be sharing with us. How are you doing today? Very well. Thank you, Jackie. It was very kind of you. I appreciate the opportunity. Glad to be here with Jacob Travels. So can you tell, can you share with everyone who's listening a little bit more about your background and how you came into the the tech world? Because I know that that's kind of a very broad statement, but um, your, uh, when we talked offline, your story was very inspiring. And so um, share a little bit more about how you became in charge um, and what you've done in the past. Thank you. So currently I'm chief operations officer at Jolt Advantage Group here in Tampa, Florida. But I started back in 2006-ish with Cisco Systems. I was uh, leading a group of telepresence engineers and I needed a way to do much more with less humans. I was experiencing a difficult problem, a human problem where executives would call in because something was broken and yell at engineers because it's broken. And an engineer's job was to fix it. And after training them, they realized that the majority of their work is calming down the executives that kept yelling at them because something was broke. It wasn't appealing to them. So they kept leaving us. And I needed to find a way in order to provide the same or better level of service with less humans so they didn't leave. I put out an RFP and people responded back and said, we can do much more with more humans at a lower cost using an offshore model. But I realized what would happen then would I be I would be taking my problem here and moving it over here and just moving the problem to another location. There people would leave. Same issue, different people. I didn't want that. And there was a company out of New York called IPSoft that said we can do it without the humans. I thought, what do you mean? And they described automation, but they described it in a centralized platform manner where I knew automation is scripting previous. So I dove in and said, Yeah, show me. And 
After the first year, I make very little progress because me being Cisco, I've got the answer. I know what I'm doing. Come on. How dare you tell me what I should automate? But in reality, they were the experts in automation. I wasn't. So I moved out of the way and allowed them to do their job. And within the next two years, we achieved a very high level of automation, autonomic impact inside my organization. And I started spreading the word inside of Cisco. Multiple groups adopted it, and we started saving even more impact by spreading the wealth. From there, I joined IPsoft, and I became their global head of automation. I took a group that was small and made it large over time. Three years, we had almost 200 engineers worldwide in six different regional locations. We started with 2,000 automations, and in that same time, we ended up with 25,000 automations across 600 enterprise clients very large giants. But I found out it's not so much the automation that we were deploying that was making the most impact. It was the program that managed it, that made more business sense. So I started developing partner enablement programs with very large enterprise clients, teaching them how to use automation. At the same time, I realized that if I teach other people how to use automation and they take it inside their culture, they're going to start teaching and sharing best practices with me making my program stronger. So I have very good network of enterprise automation uh, clients that were very successful. But then they said, you're great with automation, but we want you to take artificial intelligence and show the government how to get it done. So I did. I moved from lower Manhattan to Washington DC and started doing pilots with Amelia, the artificially intelligent virtual assistant. We did pretty good. We got some presence out there. We got some POCs and I cut my teeth on the government world. After about five years, I left and went back to the commercial world where I found myself circling up to join Jolt. Now, I lead automation as well as intelligent automation and push towards artificial intelligence, but our core business is development and deployment of UiPath automation with managed services on top of that to make sure that there's an insurance policy after we go to production. At the same time, we couple some advanced technologies to that core automation to make it intelligent help it with decision, thoughts, and learning. So that's what it took for me to get there. And I realized years and years after I started, the most difficult thing about technology is just plain getting started. So here I am. I What fascinated me is uh, just uh, the twists and turns in your career and how you intuitively um, went with the flow and uh, followed your passion, your interest. And, and that's um, what drives me as well in terms of um, following my passion, which is why I, I ended up in the travel space, even though my background's law and my background's also as a, as an educator, I love traveling. And, um, and that's why I created J Cooper travel. So, and, and Cooper travel, so I could assist others in their area of travel. Now, um, one, our, one of our topics of the day um, is technology and travel. And um, how, you know, I'm thinking back, you know, uh, with cruise ships, I'm thinking with airlines. I mean, technology is used in a lot of different ways. What, how would robotic process automation be used in the technology area? And, and what exactly is it? I know that that's, a term that you've kind of shared with me, but I'm still 
learning about this. So share with our listeners more about that and, and why it's relevant to them. Because again, I know a lot of individuals might be concerned that humans will be out of the equation if technology takes over, but you always need someone to run it. <laughs> yeah. As almost a thousand engineers I've hired over the past 15 years can attest, they've got jobs. Yeah. And somebody had to somebody had to bring him into RPA. So yes, it's actually increasing hiring, not so much decreasing. Uh, it's interesting. Robotic process automation or RPA is really the mimicry of human action through machine intelligence. Software-driven robots do the same work that we do. Click, point, copy, paste, add, subtract, make decisions based on a decision tree logic. Really what RPA focuses on is the consistent and mundane tasks that we do. And we interact with RPA almost every day, especially in the travel world. Uh, one of the biggest use cases that I find myself working through right now is just simple invoice processing. Yes. Accounts payable or receivable receives the invoice. They read the piece of paper and they go to a system and type in the information. But the difficulty right there is between the chair and the keyboard, we can introduce error because we're human. We've heard many times people say, mm, we're only human. <laughs> the error is human. So true. So robotic process automation gets it right 100% of the time. When I do uh, executive pitches, and I usually ask the executive sitting around the table trying to make a decision, should we buy this, should we not? I ask them, how many things can you do at once? And I'll pick one of them out. They say, oh, multitasking, uh, I know you're looking for me to say two to five, but really it's one. I'm like, yeah, good, very good. One thing, and I'll, I'll write it on the whiteboard. And then I'll ask them, you there, how many hours per day do you work? Oh, well, I'm an executive, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours, some nights. Some nights when we've got uh, months end or we've got a proposal coming up, 16 hours. Great. How many of those hours are you effective? You're doing everything you possibly can all at once. Yikes, they didn't want to answer that question. Usually it's four, four out of the day. That's where you're focused. And then I always ask the last person, how many mistakes do you make every day? And they think, oh no, why do you ask me this question? What did I do? And I, I talked to them about baseball, about Ted Williams. He was one of the greatest hitters ever. He had the highest batting average of 400, which means he failed 60% of the time to do his job. And he was the best. On average, humans make 40% of errors. They guess, they use emotion, intuition, uh, something that guides them. They'll check the web that's made up of opinion sometimes and they'll take it as fact. So two errors human. Now, when I boil that down and I say, okay, well, ladies and gentlemen of the executive pool, what if I was allowed to, uh, or what if I was going to enable you to work 24 hours a day? to make zero mistakes and to do 3,000 things at once, that's RPA. Now, think about how you interact with it already. Jackie, when was the last time you received a handwritten envelope from somebody, family, friends, sending you a letter or something like that? Um, well, from family, probably about two weeks ago, but most of it is, right. most of it's, it's automated. I can promise you there was not some sort of box that a postal worker received and said, okay, this goes to Jackie. I think she lives in this city. We'll put it in that box. There's no more mail sorting. It's right. not done humanly. 
post office uses optical character recognition to feed that envelope through a conveyor belt and a sensor reads the words, even in handwriting. And they get it right 100% of the time now. Sometimes there's things that it can't read and it flags those and it kicks those out and says, human, read this. <laughs> keeping, that's keeping a human in the loop, human in the loop approvals. Once they figure it out that they spelled Jackie with an IE instead of a QUI, well, okay, fine. We'll put it over there. It goes to Miss Cooper. So that's something that we interact with every day. Now, also, if you've changed your reservations for travel online through United American or anybody like that, when you click change that reservation, it's not a human in the background going, oh, wait, she just sent that thing. I've got to go change it. No, that's all automation. It's done through website automation, working in the background as part of code inside of the website. That's all driven that way. At the same time, cancellations and refunds. Well, if you use crypto, it's much faster, like in Estonia. However, here we do that and we process it through credit card payments, which of course is all digitized, driven by automation. So if you think of technologies broken down by tech that sees, says, does, or learns, does is automation. When there's action based on data or based on process, that's RPA. All the same. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And it's really exciting to hear it in what I consider lay terms so I can understand it sure. and not tech terms. So I really appreciate that. So um, why should I care about that? Why? I mean, um, in, a, in a respectful manner, but why no, should no, why no. should why should others care about the use of of the RPA um, process, um, whether it's in travel or in other businesses? How is that going to help us? There was a president of a major bank in, we'll say, the Nordic region that came to me and asked me when the last time I went into a bank was living in lower Manhattan at the time. I had to think, and it was six months prior when I got there and I signed up for an account. They had to physically see you and take your ID and go, okay, here you are, sign this piece of paper, you're set. And I said, all right. And he goes, wonderful. How frequently did your parents go into the bank? And I thought, well, my father was a civil servant. He was in the civil service for a government worker. Uh, he got paid once a month. So when he got his check, mom went to the bank and cashed it once a month. And he said, very good, very good. Now, your grandparents, were you a good boy? I said, absolutely, I was. Did your grandparents take you grocery shopping or shopping? How frequently did they go into the bank when you were with them? And I started thinking, I was like, Grandma Marie took me there every week. And we would go into the bank to get money to take to the grocery store so she could buy things. And if I was good, I got a lifesaver. And I, thought, I started thinking, wow. Things have changed. Yeah. And he saw yeah. that light bulb go over my head. And he goes, exactly. Now, how frequently will your grandchildren go into banks? And he said, they'll sit and look at you and go, ooh, gross. You went into a bank? There was a place? <laughs> Banking, he knew, was going to be digitized. It was going to be on your phone. It was going to be web-driven. It was going to be automated. And so he said, we're shutting down our brick-and-mortar banks. We're wow. More market share by not giving them a bank to go to. Wow. Already everywhere you want. They did. And in five years' time, they increased their market share to 30%, now they're the largest bank in the Nordics. That was kind of interesting. So for companies 
why they should care is if they aren't automating now, their competition is. And if they don't, their market share will go where technology advancement takes them. And that's what's needed right now. In the world of COVID, where we all wear these masks, it's very important that technology supports us because sometimes we can't go to the bank. Sometimes we can't go to the store. We've got to use Amazon. We've got to use delivery services. Having the technology there to support you is why you should care. Now, at the same time, impact and time savings. Here's what's interesting. In the federal government alone, 40% of all current federal workers are eligible or nearing retirement. So Jackie, if you have a hundred person company and tomorrow 40 of them come to you and say, yeah, I'm retiring, I'm out, gotta go. Thank you so much, enjoy my pension. Gonna take everything from my desk, bye. You're out of business. So that's what the federal government is thinking. Wait a minute, we have an aging workforce, but wait, the millennials, they're coming. They'll want government jobs, said no millennial ever. They want to work at Facebook, Google, Microsoft. They want to work at the sexy companies. They don't want to go, ooh, Department of Transportation. Yes, please. It's not a thing. You can't attract them. I'm not saying anything bad about the agencies. It's just a, a, a workforce that needs to be supplemented. But now it needs to be supplemented intelligently with technology. Agencies like the GSA, NASA, others are embracing it. And they're setting the standards for the other government agencies. So that way, when retirement does come around for the fortunate few of us that can go forward in that path to travel more, we can support them, not just as a company, but from a national perspective. That's why people should care about RPA. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, the way you share all that information um, really is eye-opening to me because um, when you're talking about changes that have occurred in the brick and mortar. I can see that in the travel side too, from the perspective yeah. that my back office, I have two different types of travel companies. One is as a certified travel agent, where I'm an, for those that don't know, I'm an independent contractor with another company, which is very major. And I have a back office where I can book your travel. And that's a technology platform. Um, and that my, the company that, um, I, um, associated with, they have all the relationships with the major vendors. The other company that I'm also, um, working with in the travel space is where I can provide a free member only wholesale booking platform where individuals can book their own travel. So that's automated. And then it frees up my time because they're booking, right. they're booking their own travel. Um, and for everyone who's listening, yes, I get a residual off of that travel. <laughs> and I will consult with you as well. But it's a different model. One model is where I have to do the research and I end up getting commission from the traditional certified travel side. And then the other model is the automation side where individuals will book themselves and use an internal platform where they're booking. And so it makes total sense what you're saying. Total Good. sense. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So one last question, since we're talking about travel, um, when we can go on various trips again, where's your bucket list? Where would you like to go and visit and see? 
Bali would be really nice. I like tropical places that are quiet, tranquil, peaceful, anywhere I can explore, walk around, and of course swim. Love it. Love being in the water, around the water, surrounded by it. And I know there's huts there up on stilts with water all around. I think one's got my name on it. Yeah, for sure. Do you think you'll take your computer with you and do your tech stuff while there? No. <laughs> <laughs> there won't be an internet connection anywhere near but uh you know it's difficult being uh away from tech for me i was speaking to a, a gentleman this past week and he had two weeks off for christmas and he went with the uh, in-laws camping and i asked him the first two days were you were you jonesing did you feel that vibration in your pocket even though you knew your phone wasn't there did you need to check your email and he's like yeah i said about the third day you went fishing, huh? <laughs> and he goes, yes, you just let it go and you become human again. So I can truly appreciate that question. Uh, I won't take my laptop, but phone will always be there. My watch will be buzzing. Yeah, that's what I do. Sounds good. Well, for those that are, are listening, um, there will be information in the contact box below for different ways that you can enjoy your discounts on travel. Thank you so much, Brett, for being here. I know that we're going to be having continuing conversations. So everyone like and subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel. That way you can follow along on our next conversations. And uh, thank you so much, Brett. My pleasure, Jackie. Thank you.